many of you guys are staring at an option of deliverance, but you have supposed it's dangerous, so you're not even going to try it? How many of your marriages right now, you know you need counseling, You and I'm banging on my desk, you know you need counseling, you know you need to go talk to someone, you know what you need to do, but it's scary and it's uncomfortable and so you won't even face it. You're supposing it is a ghost rather than saying, I'm going to trust the Lord in this option, even though it scares me just a little bit. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it is your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Autumn Miles Show. I'm ready to go. I'm obsessed with miracles. I love them. I can't wait to get to week two after the break. It's going to be good. You're going to want to stay. You're going to want to be here. Okay. Um, I hope you guys are doing well out there today. We are in this series and I feel like since we announced this series that everyone's like, I need that. I need a miracle. I need it. I need it. So make sure that you are sharing this with your friends who need a miracle. I mean, who needs a financial miracle in your life? Share it. Okay. Who needs a miracle in their marriage? Share this because our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did in the gospels through his son, Jesus, he still does today. Okay. He still does these miracles with this type of potency today. All right. So I'm fired up. Cannot wait. Uh, We are heading into holiday season and listen, we're a nonprofit. So if you guys have a donation, if what we have done has ministered to you, if you get on the website, automaz.com, there is an option to donate and we would uh, really appreciate that because it takes money to make this world go round. Okay. <laughs> Over here, it takes money to put the quality of show that we have out to you. So a hundred percent, if you could, I'm asking you to go and to, to donate uh, to the page. Also follow along um, on our social media Facebook, Instagram, we've got even a group, Gangster Prayer Ambassador group on Facebook that we're starting to do some more stuff with. It laid dormant for a little bit, but we're going to pick that that sucker right up and we're going to start to do stuff with it. So lots going on. I cannot wait to head into the holiday season. I'm like two weeks away from decorating my house for Christmas. And I saw a thing actually on Instagram and it said, People that decorate for Christmas early are genuinely happier people. (laughs) And I sent it to all of my friends who make fun of me for decorating my house early. And I'm like, see, I'm happier than you. (laughs) I have some friends that are so mad at me for decorating before Thanksgiving. And my dad is included in that group. He tells me, you're just not thankful. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, dad. Um, I'm not thankful. That's why I've lived my whole life thanking the Lord for everything that I have. You know, those little jabs. Can we all just get along our pre-decorators for Christmas and our post-Thanksgiving decor? Can we all just get along? That's what I want to know because I love you. Why don't you love me? I don't understand the, the animosity. Anyways, that's coming soon to our house. But 
You guys, what is happening in my world? We have so much happening in our world. And the biggest thing I would say this week that happened in our world is our child, our 18-year-old child received an acceptance letter to the first college that she applied to. I assume that you're clapping because isn't that fantastic? (laughs) I mean, she's got good grades. Who wouldn't want her is kind of how I think. I mean, any college would be so lucky to have Grace Miles attend their college. I mean, oh my goodness. The kid is just a jewel. And I mean, listen, I know I'm her mom, but other people think that too. Okay. It's not just me. that We hear all the time, Grace, she's just so wonderful. And I'm like, I know she's the best. She got accepted to her first college. You guys, it happened. We got the email. I guess, do they not send letters anymore? I mean, do they not? I don't know. I'm new to this game. All you parents out there that have sent your kids to college, do they send letters? I was expecting like an acceptance letter in the mail. And maybe that's coming. I don't know. But she definitely got a giant, and I did too, because, you know, she signed me up for every email from every college that she's applied to. So I really appreciate that. She got this email and she took a screenshot and she's like, you know, send it. We have a family group chat and she sent it in the group chat and I'm like screaming. And then I look, I check my email and her acceptance letters and my email too saying Grace Miles officially got accepted to, I think the best university ever, because this is where I met her dad, Liberty University. You guys, you guys know Eddie and I met there. I go back there every semester to teach leadership uh, training for women's ministry students. And, you know, we just love it over there. It's so pretty and it's so great. And I think they got a new president recently or or getting ready to get one or something like that. Um, There's been some changes over there. But, man, when we went 20 years ago, it was exactly what I needed coming off of a bad marriage. And it was exactly what Eddie needed, too. And it was it was awesome. You know, so she is officially accepted. She's waiting to make her final decision to see what other colleges, what other colleges say, but we're praying and we're asking the Lord, where do you want her? So that was really big. I think something shifted in my brain when she got accepted to college. Do you ever have those moments where you're like, I'm never going to forget this. It was one of those moments that kind of is going to be seared. I know exactly where I was sitting. I was putting on my makeup, sitting in my chair that I always put my makeup on and I look and I'm like staring at my phone for a solid, you know, seven minutes going, oh my gosh, this is, this is no longer talk. This is actually happening. And so anyway, stay tuned for the wild ride of Autumn sends her child to college (laughs) because it's going to be interesting in the next year. And you know what she asked for for Christmas, you guys? She said, hey, mom, will you buy me a mini fridge? And I'm like a moron. And I'm like, what do you need? We got fridges in our house. What do you need? She's like, mom, I need a mini fridge for my dorm room in college. And it's like a knife to the heart. Like, could you have like, yeah, mom, I also am going to need a microwave. Like, what do you need a microwave for? We got a microwave right there. She's 
our college, mom. So she's dropping these tiny little sentences that are bombshells to my life every couple of days, and I'm having to get over them. So it'll be a fun year. <laughs> in the next, in the next nine months. Wait, nine months? No longer than that. What like what is it like eleven months? It'll be an interesting year, guys. It'll be interesting. That's what's happening in my life. I hope you love these little snippets that I share with you about my family. I hope you don't get bored with them because, dude, it's like real life stuff. You know, your kids going to college and you're starting to freak out. Like that's totally real. Anywho, send me any of your college advice at hello at autopiles.com. Also, add me to your prayer list and Grace as well. I will be back right after the break for week two of miracles. Do not factor God out of your situation. I'll be right back, guys. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Okay, guys, we are back with Miracles Part Two. Okay. And we are talking all about do not factor God out of any situation. I love this. This ministers so deeply to me. I told you, I think it was last week, uh, maybe the week before. I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. But what God told me. When I was walking one day was I should be your first invitation into trouble. I should be your first invitation into a trial. You need to ask me to work before you try to do anything on your own. And guys, that has stuck with me. That is exactly why we are doing this series right here. And I have to tell you, in the last couple of months, I have seen huge miracles happen um, I can't remember if I already told you about my air conditioning where they quoted us like $15,000 or something ridiculous and we got a fix for a hundred bucks. <laughs> I mean, we have seen miracles like an air conditioning. I have seen my body actually healed from an allergy that I've had for 13 years from tomatoes and peppers. All of a sudden it's gone all because I've said, God, I need you here. Okay. I got to be honest with you. The allergy thing, it happened 13 years ago. I never even thought, I mean, I would have thoughts like it'd be really nice to eat a taco. You know what I mean? But I never thought 
Jesus, can you heal my body so that I can eat a taco with my kids? Never and never even thought about it. And uh, several months ago, I started praying, God, could you heal me from this? Because I really want to eat a taco with my kids. Eddie makes me tacos, but they're, you know, they don't have the peppers and tomatoes in them. And you guys, I'm telling you, I just had a plate of Mexican food on Sunday and it was like, my kids were crying. It was like, it was, it was like a whole thing. So God wants to be invited in any trouble. Is your child struggling to sleep? Invite God in. Is your child having a problem with someone at school? Invite God in. We, I prayed for one of my kids for an entire year, every day, 365 days. I prayed for one of them and all, uh, you know, I say all of a sudden, but I prayed for 365 days, called them by name every single day for God to deliver them from what they were facing. And God delivered them from what they were facing because it was bothering them. Do you invite him in to every situation? Question mark. Because I want you to start doing that. This is counter even Christian culture, okay? A lot of times we go to tradition to try to get us out of what we're in rather than inviting Jesus in to say, this is a problem, no matter how small it is, maybe it's just, you know, you need a new tire on your car, or maybe it's as big as my marriage is failing and I must have a miracle. My business is failing and I must have a miracle. God cares about it all. And what I told you last week is God told me, and I wrote this in gangster prayer, go get gangster prayer. By the way, we are out of gangster prayers here. So you need to order them from one of the book retailers, you know, Barnes and Noble or Amazon or anything, because we have completely sold out. We got to restock them. But one of the things that God told me is what's a miracle to them. What they call a miracle can be your everyday life, Autumn, your everyday life. It can be normal for you to experience miracles because it was normal for Jesus to experience miracles. And we have the power of the most high living inside of us. We just have to allow him to be unleashed in our lives. When I got that, my entire life changed. Everything in my life is built on inviting Jesus in and saying, I am not this powerful. You've got to work. I want to talk and kind of transition a little bit today to this thought. Is Jesus trying to come to do something for you, but you don't even recognize it's him? Okay. Sometimes miracles are packaged in things that are scary. Okay. Sometimes miracles are packaged in maybe risks that we have to take that are unnatural to us. Sometimes a miracle is packaged in you stepping out of your comfort zone and saying yes to something that you would never say yes to. The miracle is awkward. The miracle is weird. And you don't, it's so weird that you don't even recognize it's from God himself.
That's what I want to talk to you guys about today. I believe that God is calling us to step out in ways that we've never stepped out before to experience things that we never have experienced before. I believe God is calling us out of the comfort so that we can step into something that he wants to give us and he wants to do for us. Your miracle could be packaged in something that you actually are very afraid of and very nervous of. But God is saying, trust me, trust me, because I want to do something for you that will be legendary. Okay, here it is. This Now, this passage of scripture is found, you know, multiple places in the Bible. But I am really drawn to this particular version of it for whatever reason. I don't even know what the reason is. I'm just drawn to it. I feel like the Holy Spirit really highlighted this to me when we're talking about miracles. Mark 6:45 says this. Now, Jesus had just uh, fed the 5,000. A couple weeks ago we talked about feeding the 5,000. We just talked about it. Last week we talked about, I think it was last week, we talked about Jesus math. How <laughs> you know, you give Jesus something and he multiplies it and he does something ridiculously crazy with it. He had just done this. And I want to set this up for you because this is like in transition to the next thing that he does. Okay, so Jesus is kind of always doing miraculous things. That's why he wants to be invited into everything that you do, because he's always doing miraculous things. Okay, where you see him in the scripture, he's blowing your mind. Where you see him in the scripture, he's making a statement to the Pharisees that's got them puzzled and they knew a lot. Okay, when you see him in the scriptures, he's healing someone. He's pulling someone along. He's saying, I see something in you, Peter. All you see is a fisherman, but on this rock, I'll build my church. That alone is a miracle that God sees stuff in us that we would never ever see in ourselves. You know why? Because he's our creator. But he just fed the 5,000. And we know just from study, it was probably more like 20,000. Jesus math doesn't make sense. Give me a little bit and I'll feed everybody. You just obey and give me five loaves and two fish seven little things, and I'm going to feed 20,000 people. It doesn't make sense. Miracles don't make sense. I'm sorry, all you practical people. (laughs) It's not going to make sense. It's going to be awkward. It's going to challenge every practical bone in your body. Because from our standpoint, from a human standpoint, faith is not practical. It certainly isn't safe, so we think, in our flesh. But actually, when you invite Jesus in, faith and stepping out into the unknown and the uncomfortable is the most practical thing that you can do. He just fed the 5,000. Now, we're dying down the 5,000, okay? Like the 5,000, this is in transition to something else. Mark 6, 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida while he himself was sending the crowds away. I think I even think that's interesting. Jesus is like, "Okay, guys, go home. I fed you dinner. Goodbye. Time to go. You know, (laughs) it's like that invisible time time, uh, you know, when you have friends over and it's like, you know, pushing 1030 and you're like, "Okay, guys. 
I'm tired. I got to go. I got to get up harder. He was kind of like that. Jesus like, okay, I'm going to send these crowds away. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. I just want to do a little side note on this really fast with him sending the crowds away. Jesus was not obsessed with having a large audience. <laughs> Let that just linger. Jesus was not obsessed with having a major, huge audience around him all the time, constantly. Jesus was humble and knew he needed to go pray to God. And so he sent the crowds away. Jesus, who could have demanded everyone stay around him forever, sent them away. That right there will preach to a lot of ministers, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Be like Jesus. The power is not in the people that are surrounding you. The power is what you glean and you take from the mountain with your God. His power never came from the multitude. It came from his father. He wasn't obsessed with the numbers. He prioritized time with the Lord. Okay, moving on. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. 47. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Seeing them, the disciples, straining at the oars for the wind was against them. At about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he intended to pass by them. That is so good, and we're coming back to it. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them and said, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them and the wind stopped and they were utterly astonished for they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. That makes me so mad. They gained no insight from that. You just saw Jesus feed 20,000 people with seven things and no insight. Come on, disciples. Get with the program. And yet there I sit. God's done so many miracles in my life. And I sometimes I struggle to gain insight from what he's done because of what is sitting in front of me. I want to break this down. And I really felt like the Lord said, I want you to just show, show them the sequence of events that happen here in relation to a miracle. In verse 47, it says, when it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Now, Jesus sent the disciples and he said, go ahead, go away. They started on their journey. They all had oars, but they were in the middle of the lake. Okay. Probably the deepest point in the lake. Obviously, we don't know. But excuse me, the boat was in the middle of the sea, not a lake. Probably the deepest point. We're not sure, obviously, um, where, you know, exactly they were. But they were right directly 
in the middle of the sea, which means this. They could not go back because if they went back, it would be just as long as them going forward. They were stuck in the middle of a situation and they really didn't have a short distance to go. You know, when you're in the middle of something, you've come through a lot, but you still got a little ways to go. They're in the middle. They're right in the middle. And the Lord told me um, as I was praying through this, speak to those in the middle. Now, in the middle of something, oftentimes it's not the hardest part because the beginning of a trial is typically the hardest. But once you've been in the middle of something for a while, you've gone, you've rowed. I mean, you, you, let's, let's even use the fact that they were in a boat rowing. When you're about mid-lake, do your arms hurt? Are you starting to get tired? Are you starting to get weary? Do you just want to stop? Do you want to take a break? Are you ready for it to be over? Yes to all of those things, okay? Think of the oars going back and forth and back and the rhythm of the oars. And, you know, at first, those 12 disciples are like, we're going to rock this out. We're going to get over there. We got stuff to do. We got more people to feed and heal and all of this kind of stuff. And they start off so strong. And oftentimes you do. Wow. Well, we can tackle this. We can handle this. We can do this. But maybe you've been in this trial for a month and the fervor and the passion and the faith that you had 30 days ago just ain't cutting it anymore because now you're tired and you just want it to end and you're starting to wonder Jesus where are you at I am in the middle of something that I just want to get to the other side of who's in the middle out there who's in the middle who's in the middle of cancer treatments. You started off and you said, we're going to get this. We're going to beat this. But as the, the chemotherapy and radiation and the results and the things and everything has worn on, you're in the middle and you're just tired in the middle. How many of you guys have been struggling financially and at first you're like no God is going to provide he is there he is here we have got this it is going to be fine well that was three months ago and you're looking at your bank account going <laughs> this Jesus math that's hilarious because if he could turn 27 cents into five trillion dollars that would be great but I don't see it happening I did have faith but now I'm in the middle and I'm tired I just want God, if you're going to provide, push me to the other side. Just push me. Some of you are in the middle of school. <laughs> Maybe it's called, and it is actually, that, that was the Holy Spirit that spoke that to me. But you're right, Jesus. <laughs> the semester is ending soon for those college kids and for regular school. Some of you are 50 years old and you're going back to school and you're paying that bill, but you're also raising your family at the same time. And you're also working a full-time job. And when you started, it looked and sounded really good, but now you're in the middle and you're thinking, why in the world did I get in this boat to come over here? I'm tired. My arms are heavy. Lord, I don't want to do it anymore in the middle. When it was evening, the boat 
was in the middle of the sea and Jesus was alone on the land. And this is what I love about Jesus. Seeing them, verse 48, straining at the oars. I want to stop right there. I have that in parentheses in my Bible. Where does it say he saw them? Now, he obviously saw them when he said, goodbye, see you later. When he let them go away without him. It doesn't say, and we'll get to this in a second, but he's not standing there. He's not on the water yet. But from the shore alone where he was praying, he went to the mountain to pray. So on the mountain alone where he was praying, he saw them. And what did he see them doing? He saw them straining at the oars. I want that to be a word for every single person that is in the middle of something today. He is seeing you right now. He sees your straining. He sees your muscles are tired. He sees your faith muscles are weary and they're shaking. You know how it is when you work out, when you exercise and exhaust that muscle, you wonder those disciples are probably pushing those oars and they're probably um, shaking because their muscles were tired. He sees the strain that you are dealing with in the middle, seeing them straining at the oars. He saw them. His eyes are on you. Right now, take a minute and breathe that in. Your God right now is watching you. He sees you. He sees every tear that you've cried. He sees every time you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you think, oh God, how am I going to get through this? He sees every time you're in your car and you're in a daze and your emotions are numb because you just cannot wait until this thing is behind you. He sees that in the middle. He sees you in the middle. He was far away, and yet he saw them in the middle while they were straining. Exactly where you are, exactly emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted, spiritually exhausted, he sees you straining because he sees that the wind is against you. He saw them straining at the oars for the wind was against them. You ever feel like, you know, I'll take five steps forward in my marriage and then my husband does something or my wife does something and it's like 10 steps back. (laughs) And you're like, we did all this work and all of a sudden you did that again? How could you do that again? How could you make that mistake again? How could you go back to that addiction again? How could you this again? You look at the DMs. How could you be messaging that person again? You have broken my trust again. And it seems like everything is against you and what you are trying so hard to push through. The wind was contrary. 
which means it wasn't just a normal row that the disciples were doing. They were rowing against the wind. The strong wind was coming and was resistance to any sort of forward motion that the boat was trying to progress. Does it feel not just like your regular rowing? Does it feel like there is something against you trying to push you back because that's exactly exactly where the disciples were the wind was against them and about verse 48 the fourth watch of the night Jesus came to them walking on the sea and he intended to pass them by I took a lot of time um, looking up <laughs> just about every word here. And you know, I'm going to tell you what this means. The wind was against them. They were straining. And Jesus came about the fourth watch of the night. <laughs> that's, that's basically what it meant. <laughs> the fourth watch of the night, for those of you that don't know, there was four different watches in Jewish culture. 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. would be one watch, okay, where, you know, the sailors would sleep and one person would watch. That would be one watch of the night. 9 to 12 would be the second watch of the night. Midnight to 3 a.m. would be the third watch of the night. And then 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. would be the fourth watch of the night, which meant they took shifts, okay? You watch, I'll sleep. You watch, I'll sleep. You watch, I'll sleep if you're a sailor, okay? Jesus came seeing them straining at the oars for the wind was against them. And some versions say the wind was contrary. And I actually think some of the other gospels say the wind was contrary. About the fourth watch, which would be from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., which is the darkest point of night when it's completely dark. Just before dawn, it's the darkest point of the night. The darkest, most heavy, black point of the night is when Jesus started coming to them. I want to speak to that person where it feels like, hey, I'm in the middle. Jesus sees you. He's watching you strain, but he chooses his time to come. He does it. Now, when he was watching them, I mean, you know, I don't know. They're in the middle. So they had definitely had been straining for a while. Apparently it had taken them. We know that the feeding of the 5,000 people, they ate. And then Jesus is the one that sent them away. So I don't know about what time they would have actually left. They ate dinner and then Jesus sent them away. So the disciples weren't even there for their dismissal, right? So maybe it was evening time, something like that. So when the disciples get in the boat, let's say, and I don't know this, but I'm just trying to paint a picture for you. Let's say it was seven o'clock. They get in the boat. They start rowing at seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. How many hours is that? That is, let me count my fingers here. Eight hours, seven, 
wait, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, one, two, three. That is eight hours. And they're only in the middle of the sea. Jesus comes when it was the darkest for them, right before dawn. I want to speak to you a minute about the timing of deliverance. You see, what we say, when we say, we're done, we're over this, we can't strain anymore. God sees if you actually are done or if there is an actual little bit more juice in you. He looks at you and he says, "Mm, I know they think they're done, but I want them to grow a little bit more or I've got something that's just not quite ready to be unleashed. So I'm going to challenge them a little bit more. I have never gone through a trial where God showed up at the very darkest of the darkest when it really was impossible and we really did need a miracle. I have never, ever been more strengthened spiritually than when God showed me how deep my faith was in him. You might think that you're almost at the end. But God knows if you actually are. His time, he comes in at the perfect time. Not the time where you're straining. The time when he knows that you've exercised all your options and you absolutely need to. Not sometimes he comes in earlier, but in this particular story and for my example, I want to say that some of you guys that are rowing, you're ready to give up because you've never had to row any farther because you don't even know the strength that you actually have in Christ Jesus Jesus might be waiting for your deliverance because he wants to show you how deep your faith is. Sometimes what we think is the end, Jesus sees it's not. What we think we can handle, Jesus says there's so much more in her. She's selling herself short. I see her faith. And I want to show her how strong she actually is so she can make it through this. You know how many times I've said, Lord, I cannot go on another day. And the Lord says, my grace is sufficient. Do you know how many times I've been like, if you don't work today, Lord Jesus. And he's like, I hear what you're saying. (laughs) And I am working. Deliverance draws nigh, but it's not today. Sometimes, The miracle he wants to do is not calm the storm, but calm you. Sometimes the miracle is not about the wind being contrary. Sometimes the miracle that we need to see is how deep our faith is in the one that has the authority over it all. Sometimes that's the miracle he's trying to do. He came at the fourth watch, 3 to 6 a.m. You know how tired I would be? I've already gone through two rim cycles at 3 a.m. <laughs> That's 17 dreams. <laughs> you know, Eddie is like juggling in one of the dreams. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, 
One of my kids spent the night with one of his friends the other night, and I woke up in the middle of the night. And you know what? You know your teenagers stay up all night. It's like they can stay up till 6 a.m., and then they can live a whole nother day and not even – he didn't even look tired when he came home, which made me so mad. But I had a bad dream about Jude, and I ended up texting him because he was at his friend's house, and I was like, I had a bad dream about you. Just let me know you're okay. And it was at, like, 117 in the morning. I've already been through a couple of rim cycles. Jesus chose to come at the fourth watch. It was late, but I don't want you to focus on it being late. I want you to focus on the fact that he did come. If you knew that Jesus was going to come through, would it matter what the timing of it was? If you knew that Jesus was going to come and deliver you, would it matter what time he did it? Obviously, we want him to do it sooner. But if you just knew that he was coming, would you worry so much right now? Would you be able to rest a little bit right now? If you just knew he was on the way from the mountain, seeing you in the middle of your sea, could you rest? Because I believe that God is calling us to do just that. I'm coming in my time because I have plans for this trial in your life. He came the fourth watch of the night and he came to them walking on the sea. I love this and I'm going to continue to break it down. We've got a, a few more minutes. You guys, he was walking on the sea that was causing all of the problems for the disciples. Do you know what kind of a boss move that is? <laughs> They're like straining at the oars and, you know, whatever. And you know how Jesus, you know, he makes an interest, doesn't he? Or Jesus, he just he makes an entrance, doesn't he? He doesn't come rowing in his own boat. Row, row, row your boat. He didn't come doing that. He came walking on the very thing that was causing them to strain. He was walking on top of it like a boss. <laughs> this is why I love Jesus. He's like, oh, it's bothering them. I think I'll just walk right over to him. <laughs> you know what this ministered to me? He has authority over it. He's got authority over it. That thing that was causing them the biggest problems in the whole entire world in that moment that was exhausting them, that they were worried about, that they were frustrated about. Jesus came walking on top of it. It submitted to him. The storm always submits to the Savior. The Savior never submits to the storm. He just strolls right out there. I wonder if he skipped a few times. You know, what he, did? he just strolled right out there. What you're facing has a God that is infinitely more powerful times a trillion than it. The Bible puts it like this. This is but a slight thing in the eyes of the Lord. A slight thing. What is huge to you, this is why you must invite Jesus in. What is huge to you is a slight thing. Jesus came walking on top of it. 
it hasn't overpowered him yet and it never will. Do you know how many healed marriages I have personally witnessed in my own life? I mean, I don't know, hundreds, maybe even thousands. We hear it all the time. My husband cheated on me, but the grace of God was more powerful than the sin. I filed seven bankruptcies or however many you can do, but the grace of God met me right there and pulled me out. I was in prison, but the grace of God pulled me and delivered me right out. Do you understand that our trials and tribulations, God doesn't submit to, they submit to him. He walks all over them. And he has authority over what you're facing too. That wind will never pick a fight with the one who created it. Those waves will never swallow up the God that put them there. Never. He walks on the sea like a boss. And then I think this is absolutely hilarious. And he intended to pass by them. <laughs> he wasn't even going to stop. Now, I did a little study on this because I was like, that's weird. And that goes against everything I'm teaching right now. But uh, most of the commentators, and, and you guys, I don't know. Like, you know, who, who knows why this isn't here? God knows. Clearly God knows. But one of the consistent perspectives on this was that they thought that he intended to walk by them. Mark is writing this. They thought he was going to just pass them by. And when I read that perspective, I thought, isn't that interesting? <laughs> he comes on the thir- fourth watch. He's already like, you know, they're already tripping because he hasn't showed up yet. And here he comes and they thought that he was just going to walk right by them. How many times do we think, God, you're just going to walk right by me. You're not going to come through. You're not going to meet my needs. And what he was doing was getting ready to calm the wind and the waves and everything so that he could show them he has authority over them. Verse 49, but when they saw him walking on the sea, and this is where it gets good. It's Halloween. I'm recording this on Halloween, by the way. So I think this is like fantastic. <laughs> they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they saw him and were terrified. Now, this is what go, well, we're going to go back to what I said in the beginning. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out. For they saw him and were terrified. And I'll pick up verse 50 in a second. They supposed it was a ghost. They supposed it was danger. They supposed it was something to be feared. They supposed God would never look like this. Jesus would never look like this. They suppose this can't be Jesus because it looks weird. This can't be Jesus because it makes me tremble a little bit. This can't be Jesus because I've never seen anything like this before. This can't be him because this makes me feel a little bit shaken and a little bit 
comfortable. Well, let me tell you something. In order to to gain a miracle, you've got to need a miracle. And in order to get a miracle, you have to do what God asks you to do. And sometimes he asks you to do something that you would never do. And the option in front of you doesn't look like Jesus. It looks scary like a ghost, but that doesn't mean he isn't in that anyway. They supposed it was a ghost. How many of you guys are staring at an option of deliverance, but you have supposed it's dangerous, so you're not even going to try it? How many of your marriages right now, you know you need counseling, You and I'm banging on my desk, you know you need counseling, you know you need to go talk to someone, you know what you need to do, but it's scary and it's uncomfortable and so you won't even face it. You're supposing it is a ghost rather than saying, I'm going to trust the Lord in this option, even though it scares me just a little bit. Isn't it interesting that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, when they first saw him, they assumed he was something he wasn't. Wow, that'll preach. What if deliverance has been at your door for a long time? And you even thought to yourself, could this potentially be God? No, because it scares me too much. That means it's probably God. That means buckle up, buttercup. That thing's probably God. (laughs) And he's saying, walk through this door. You're scared, but I'm not. Wouldn't it be just like the enemy for God to give you an element of deliverance that makes you a little nervous and your first emotion is fear to keep you from deliverance? I know I have problems, but I will never go back to church again. I am so scared of leadership at churches for the rest of my life. I will be scared of them. I will be terrified. I will assume they're all the same. I'm going to live in bondage my whole life and I will never go. Wow. Wouldn't it just be like the enemy for him to paint deliverance for you a scary way and for you to take the bait? Sometimes deliverance looks like a ghost. It makes us nervous. But listen to what Jesus does. He spoke with them and said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. What the enemy said, hey, believe this lie about this thing of deliverance. Believe this lie. God knew what they were feeling. He knew what they were sensing. And he spoke out and he said, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Let me ask you this. Is there something that in your life could potentially help you move through the trial that you're in, but you haven't even given it a second look because you're terrified of it? Let me challenge you right here have you asked God is it something to be feared or not because he brought great clarity to the disciples right here when he said take courage this thing this is me this is me maybe deliverance has been on your doorstep the whole time but it's an option that looks scary And I believe today Jesus is saying, I want you to take courage because I'm in this. It is scary, but I'm in this. Don't be afraid. I'm in this. 
don't be afraid. Take this next step. Don't be afraid. I'm here. I'm here. Don't call it something that it's not. I'm here. I'm here. I've brought this to you. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then what did he do? Then he stepped into the boat and the wind completely stopped. And they were utterly astonished. Eventually, the wind is going to stop. I want to encourage you today. This is not going to persist forever. Your trial has an expiration date. The wind will stop. Because it's not forever. But God's faithfulness will never stop. But the wind will. I was going to tell a story, but I think I'm just going to pray. I really felt the power of God on this message. And guys, we've gotten a lot of prayer requests in in the last couple of days. Hard ones. My husband has left. He said it'll take a miracle to bring him back. A business that needs a financial miracle. Remember, when Jesus comes to you, he's going to be like a boss walking on top of that thing. Because he's got authority over it. And I just want to pray for those of you that are in the middle. Lord, we love you today. I pray for you to bring about wind that stops. Stop the wind. I pray, Lord, for an incredible move. The miracle needed in the business. The miracle needed in the marriage, God. The miracle needed in the finances that I just heard about. The miracle needed in the the body of the woman that I just heard about for healing. The miracle needed in the child with behavior problems. None of this is hard for you. None of it. Your power is great. And God, I ask you, in the name of Jesus Christ, Spirit, to unleash yourself in that woman's body, in that child with behavior problems, in that marriage, in that business. Unleash yourself. You create options for us that were not there a day ago. You create ways to go through that we would not even dream of. You know the way, God. You know the way. So Spirit of the living God, as I read today, you are our helper. You help us. I pray that you would help those today that are in the middle of a struggle. Spirit of the living God, give them a miracle. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys so much. I hope that encouraged you. Don't count God out. Invite him in. If you haven't yet, now. Now is the time. Do it now. Do it right, right now. Right now. Do it. He wants to show you how big he is. He just does.
just like you love to bless your kids, don't you dare think that you love it more than God loves to bless us. I'll see you right after the break to end out this episode. I'll see you in a second. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's Autumn. And I want to know, family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, we all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching Autumn Miles at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we're back. This question is so interesting, and it's something that I think we need to talk about. It says this, do you believe in generational sin, like a sin that is passed down from one family member to another? I thought that this was really interesting, and and I just want to read a couple verses to you as to why I do believe that there are generational strongholds, okay? Exodus 34, 7 says this, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Numbers 14, 18, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. It goes on several other verses talk about the third and the fourth generation. And listen, I will definitely say that there are generational strongholds. There is nothing more than the enemy wants to take hold of than our families and the generations coming after us. We have the opportunity in Christ to break those generational strongholds, okay? You, if you're experiencing one, a tendency to um, have the power through Christ Jesus to break those generational strongholds, okay? You've heard of families that have, um, you know, divorced parents and then they get divorced and then, then their kids end up getting divorced and stuff like that. There's a generational stronghold of just, uh, you know, failures. I mean, we've got addictions, we've got all sorts of things that we can, um, sort of point to with generational strongholds. But I also believe just like I just read the scripture talks about it as well, which is why it's so important to fight some of those generational things that sometimes, they're so close to us, we don't even see, okay? Sometimes it takes an outsider to look in and be like, what is happening here? You know, because it's just a part of what we're used to. We kind of think it's normal rather than fighting it, if that makes sense. 
So, um, absolutely I do. And I do, and and not because I do, it's because the Bible talks about it, but also I know that there is hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And there is an amazing power that we can ask the Lord to come in and break some of that bondage that the enemy has taken up territory in our families. So yes, I do believe in it. And I also believe that we can break free from it. So a really good question. I'm glad you asked it. Thank you. Um, Okay. Let's see. Moving on. Uh, This is an amazing testimony. And I, we just got our AC fixed for a hundred bucks. So I'm really vibing with this miracle. (laughs) I asked Jesus to help me two days ago regarding needing someone to help me with the plumbing issue I needed fixed. I said, Lord, please don't let it be too expensive. And the Lord answered my prayer. And today the plumber fixed it and gave me a bill that was exactly what I was wanting to pay. I give God all the praise and glory. And let me just tell you this. This is what our lives should be preaching. Okay. As believers, we have the power of the resurrected king living inside of us. So listen to me. These little miracles like plumbing and being able to get your plumbing fixed and providing for that, all the way up to huge ones getting healed from an incurable disease, all of those things, the Lord wants us to proclaim and say, look, listen to what the Lord has done for me. So I love this. I do count this as a major miracle because I just got my AC fixed and it was a miracle for a hundred bucks. So uh, I love that you sent that in and I love to celebrate that with you. So thank you, Lord, for that. We love you so much. I will be back next week. We're going to be talking about miracles again because I'm really vibing with this series so far. I'll see you then. Love you guys. Have an awesome week. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available, from her books and past episodes to her video series. We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.